Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of Barefooting with Sierra. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I've been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interviewed Zachary Meroy, the artist behind Dwarf Star Comics. I'm going to break up this podcast into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I will give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. Let's get started. First up is Novels. My second novel, Red 72 Genesis, is currently available as a free ebook through January 30th. Make sure you head over to Amazon to get a copy of that if you haven't already. You can read it as a standalone book, but it will make more sense if you read Red 72 first. I got the recommendations for changes for Red 72 Revelation, the finale in the Red 72 series, back from my editor today. I'm going to spend the next several days going over those recommendations and tweaking things. He did a fantastic job with it and found things that I hadn't noticed or wouldn't have considered. Hiring a professional editor is well worth the money. In book news today, racist novels have been seeing their online asking prices increase as stores and publishers are not willing to carry them anymore. The 1973 book The Camp of the Saints was selling for around $40 US six months ago, but new copies are now listed for as much as $450 on Amazon. This dystopian novel uses racial slurs while depicting the downfall of white Western civilization due to African and Asian immigrants. It has been out of print since 1994, but it maintains an Amazon bestseller ranking in the top 250,000 literature books, showing that there is still a demand for this type of material. Imran Ahmed, CEO of the Center for Countering Digital Hate, told Axios, This shows that the indoctrination of racist extremists continues and newbies are being targeted. The fact that Amazon and others are profiting from the indoctrination of extreme racists is beyond disgusting. These platforms are morally complicit. Addressing concerns about white supremacist books available for sale on their platform by third-party sellers, Amazon said in a statement, We invest significant time and resources to ensure content guidelines are followed and remove products that do not adhere to our guidelines. Those guidelines, as posted on the Amazon website, state, We don't sell certain content, including content that we determine is hate speech, promotes the abuse or sexual exploitation of children, contains pornography, glorifies rape or pedophilia, advocates terrorism, or other material we deem inappropriate or offensive. Based on those guidelines, Amazon has a lot of books they need to remove. Amanda Gorman's publisher is printing 1 million copies of her upcoming books due to the high demand they are already experiencing. Ms. Gorman, a Harvard graduate and the United States' first ever youth poet laureate, performed her original poem, The Hill We Climb, at Joseph Biden's inauguration on January 20th. In her poem, she challenged us to put our future first by putting our differences aside. She has three books scheduled to come out this year, a special edition of the poem she read at the inauguration, with a foreword by Oprah Winfrey, with a release date of March 16th, The Hill We Climb and Other Poems, and Change Sings a Children's Anthem, both with a release date of September 21st. 
That special edition book was initially scheduled to come out on April 27th. Shanta Newlin, executive director of publicity and corporate communications for Ms. Gorman's publisher, Penguin Youth Readers, told CNN, Our goal has been to publish and release The Hill We Climb, an inaugural poem for the country, as soon as possible. Despite high demand from pre-sales that have them at the top of Amazon's bestseller list, her other two books will keep their September 21st release date. We won't have to wait that long to get more of her poetry, though, because she's performing an original poem at the Super Bowl on February 7th. Now on to comics. I woke up feeling kind of yucky this morning, coughing, sore throat, that kind of thing, so I went in for a COVID test. There's a testing center just a few minutes away from my apartment, and I live in Canada, so it's free. I'm really blessed that I'm able to do that, because I know a lot of people aren't, but this is my seventh time getting tested, and it's uncomfortable, so I do what I always do when things make me annoyed or uncomfortable, and I turned it into a comic. Today's comic has my possum Petunia sitting in a chair getting a swab up her nose from a nurse in a disposable yellow gown. Marvel is still running their X-Men poll to see who will join the team in their next issue. Get your vote in before February 2nd at marvel.com slash xmenvote. And now we'll dive into today's interview with Zachary Maroy, the artist and creative mind behind Dwarf Star Comics. Hi, Zach, and thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Please tell the listeners about yourself, about your comics, where you're from, what you do. So uh, my name is Zachary Morois. I'm actually a recent Joe Keeper School graduate. Um, I graduated last year in May. Uh, during my time in the school, I self-published a graphic novel with 23 other students while being in there. Um, and then on my way out, uh, I decided to go ahead and start up a Kickstarter with the same character that was in that book um, that I published about a year ago. Um yeah, cur- currently I'm working on these pages for the Kickstarter right now, just trying to finish them up. So on top of that, just doing commissions for a bunch of people. Excellent. So um, tell the listeners a little bit about, about the school you attended, what the topics that you studied were for anybody who doesn't know about the school. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know, um, the Joe Keeper School is basically a cartoon and graphics uh I wouldn't say it's a college. I would say it's more of a trade school. Uh, it veers more to that. Uh, it's basically boot camp for artists. And the courses you're going to be learning a lot on would be narrative art, um, humor and caricature, digital production, and lettering. Because um, lettering is actually a very important thing for people who try to overlook it. <laughs> nah. It, it, um, and just a bunch of the classics like designing and uh what do you call it intro animation and whatnot so uh these are the courses that you're going to be learning and it's all uh giving you the tools to help you become a better freelance artist sounds like an amazing experience um are you doing your comic with the same 23 co-creators you did the graphic novel with (laughs) no i'm actually um i'm making it with uh one two about two people from that uh from that team um there's actually uh apart from the kickstarter i'm doing right now i'm also making book uh anthology book two for voyage and that's bringing a lot of the people that came from the first uh first one back to the second one sounds like you've got a lot going on it's a lot i just try to take it day by day 
Yeah. So can you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about Dwarf Star Comics and about your characters? So, so uh, Dwarf Star Comics is a group that I created uh, being in the school. Um, you know, I had a falling out with an individual before I went to the school with uh, a brand that I was part of. And, you know, I just uh, I pulled out all my ideas, my stories and stuff from that. And I just started to make something new with my own uh, universe and stuff. So um, when I pulled out and I made my own thing uh, with Dwarf Star Comics, it just kept getting better and better. Um, Sondron is the main character from that. Uh, like, you know, like everybody who creates stories and, you know, like, oh, I have like all these characters and stuff. You know, I created like all these characters, like 80, like I think it was like 80, 85 characters and everybody likes to write stories and on every single one. But uh, being in the school, I realized that honestly, you only really just need to have one character and just focus on that one to be your main. And all those other characters that you created afterward, like beforehand, those are going to be the ones that will be most likely your supporting cast of characters to that main character that you have. They will all fit in like pieces. Um, Sondron is the, that main character for me. He's basically an intergalactic uh, space explorer. And um, with the Kickstarter, that uh, the story that he's in right now, uh, he's currently in a one-shot story. Uh, in the middle of his adventures where he's just basically being haunted by this Lovecraftian horror uh, monster. And it's just keep nagging at him, making him uh, not, sorry, uh, making him not sleep. And uh, he's been driven insane by that. So eventually succumbs to that calling of sort. And it just leads him on this adventure throughout the whole comic. That sounds so fun. How did you come up with the ideas for that? <laughs> um, so creating Sondron, like I, I had that character since years, like years prior. I went to the school and it was just always like adding into it. But it wasn't until I got into the school is when I really started perfecting his look, his story um, and anything that involves him. And with the story itself, uh, specific for the Kickstarter, it was originally just an idea I wanted to do for uh, uh, Inktober last uh, last year, and I did a few narratives and whatnot. And before I started the narratives, my uh, partner, uh, who's the co-creator and writer of the story, he, uh, I sent him a paragraph, kind of like, "Oh, this is a cool idea. Um, this is what I have a vision for this specific story." Um, how can you write this out? Like, uh, give me, you know, full on script. And it took him like a day, like a day and a half. And he sent the script back to me. It was just amazing. I, I looked at it. I was like, this can't be just something for Inktober. It's got to be something more. So uh, I just kept right on to studying Kickstarter and figuring out everything for it. And I still have a lot to learn. Honestly, Kickstarter is a really tough thing. Uh, for people who's listening, man, just do as much research as you can. Um, and then when you've, you've done that research, then go ahead and launch that Kickstarter. You want to go ahead and have a good amount of your product at whatever it is that you're making done. So that way, when you launch it, you want to give the person who's reading your campaign uh, so much information. So that way they don't have to ask you any questions, you know? 
like imagine if somebody looked at my campaign and is like, so you only had two pages done, like where's the rest of this book or um, is it going to be colored? You know, these are the simple basic questions that you want to go ahead and answer right away on that campaign story section. Then, uh, you know, just, <laughs> you know, having it, nothing there. All great advice. Uh, so you mentioned Inktober, which is a personal favorite of mine. I've been doing that the last two or three years. But for listeners who don't know, can you tell them a little bit about what that is? Uh, Inktober is basically a month where you pick a theme or multiple themes, your preference, and you go ahead and you do a drawing a day um, based upon that theme. I decided to do a narrative a day, <laughs> and that was a lot, but... Uh, I didn't finish Inktober because, like I said earlier, I wanted to turn it into a whole project that I wanted to bring it out to people because I felt like it was something more than a Kickstarter. Awesome. So other than Inktober, how do you come up with ideas? Man, I usually, when I, when I think of ideas uh, – I kind of like look up uh, some of the uh, my favorite artists, you know, like Todd McFarlane and uh, Mike McNola and all those people and read some of their stories. And whenever I get an idea, I can just get a simple idea by watching like a sci-fi movie. I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. So there's a lot of different uh, ideas I get just by things that I try to pay attention to when I read comics. You know, like I, I still, you know, pick up my local comics at the shop and I'll I'll read them and I'll see kind of like some of the things that they done uh, some some of the things that they did and then you know maybe it'll, there's an idea that just pops up out of nowhere and I'll write it down or if I have a dream and I get an idea just from that dream I'll write it down I don't want to forget that so I'll push it to the side and then try to work it over I'm not really that good of a writer um, I just know that like these are the ideas that I have and I'll write it down and I'll talk to my writer and co-creator and he'll go ahead and just flesh it out in script format and explain it in ways where people can just easily understand it like within like five seconds upon hearing a pitch. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I also get some of my inspiration from dreams. So that's, it's cool to hear someone else does that. Yeah, um, like it's not as crazy as people think it is because if you can get an idea pushed out of a dream, like, and just push that, like, man, you have yourself a product right then and there. So it's not as crazy as people think it is. Yeah. Um, do you deal with creative blocks at all? And if so, how do you overcome them? I deal with procrastination. Um, when I was in the school, uh, all you do is draw. I've had moments where I've drawn so much to the point where I just didn't want to sit down. Like my body just mentally and physically didn't want to go to that table and sit down and work. Um, So, and that's honestly like uh, the instructors say it and I will say it like, that's actually the perfect time uh, to sit down on that table because that's when you unknowingly uh, get better at uh, a certain technique that you're doing. Um, like it maybe you're perfecting a style, like there's going to be something that you're not paying attention to in that specific moment of like artist block that you're actually overcoming and not realizing it in that moment. Uh, so that's why just keep drawing when you can't stop. 
Great advice. Yeah. What do you think is inspiring you to keep making comics and what inspired you to initially start making them? So in fifth grade, uh, that was when I picked up my first comic book. Um, that was, it was a great, like great day. Uh, my father doesn't really, he never really bought me anything and he never really go, let me go out as much. And it was just one of those days where we went to a hospital appointment for his ex. And I saw a comic store on the wall, like, like on the highway side of the highway. And it was like superheroes painted on this brick building and I freaked out. I was like, oh, my dad, can we go there? And he's like, maybe if you behave, just maybe. I'll think about it. And I just behaved in the hospital. I didn't say a word. I had my hands underneath my lap um, while my siblings are acting up in the corner. And, you know, he took me there uh, on the way back. And my first comic was, was number 66. Uh, when I read that, that was exactly what I wanted to do. I realized that that was wanted what I, I wanted to do when I got older and I wanted to, that's the only thing I wanted uh, to keep pushing towards. Like I collected a a bunch of comics and read like hundreds of stories uh, through the years. And it wasn't until when I was 18 um, is when I wanted to really start taking it more serious. So that's when uh, that was my moment when I was 18 is when I really cracked down and drawing a lot every day and whatnot. And yeah, I think, and then right after a couple of years after that, I went to Boston Con in 2016. That's when I was referred to the school. I went to the school and everything was just a piece of cake after that. That's awesome. What do you think is the most important thing for people to know that are starting their own comic? Get the, um, man, that's a, you know, that's a tough question because when you think when you haven't made a comic you get like these big dreams of grand like with that first book like throw that out of the way like honestly just make your first comic just to make it because it's a learning experience you want to learn how it how, how it's made from beginning to end um and understand that if you do go ahead and put all your chips in that first comic that you're making you're going to end up not if not remaking that book, but doing a completely different story with that same character, whatever. Um, man, that really is a tough question. Like, it the first your first book's always going to be a learning experience. I don't even want to talk about my first book. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that was I got my first uh, few books made before I even went to the school, and it was very amateur work. Um, because you know I didn't understand perspective shading lighting and just like simple storytelling though like all those things start adding up to make a good story um because when your eye reads um from panel to panel if your eyes just get lost in so much detail and everything's convoluted like it's a crazy mess those are things you just want to get done and out of the way so you can improve upon great advice how has COVID been affecting the launch of your comic? That's a first question that somebody asked me um, during these podcasts. Uh, I really don't know, to be honest. I That's why I wanted to wait till January. Not like, well, first thing, the reason why I wanted to do it for January is because 
just to avoid taxes at the end of the year. You know, that's a big one for me. Uh, second one is also, you know, because of the COVID, I didn't want to do much of any new books uh, last year because, you know, everybody, we were struggling and I didn't really know what was going to go on from the beginning of this month throughout this year. You know, we're still going to like, we're still going through the whole COVID thing. So I don't know how it affected it. Um, maybe the book, uh, maybe the book would have been funded by now. Uh, if COVID wasn't a thing, maybe it's, it is where it is like originally. And, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how it's affected yet. Um, it seems that I have a lot of very supportive people so far on the project. So I think it's, we're doing okay. You know, we still have like, what, three to two days left. So, you know, we're still pushing for that. Great. And where do you see yourself going from here with the comics? Um, when I was, when I was a first year student, I used to think to like on my way out of school that I was going to like get all these different jobs for all these companies and, uh, right on my way out but you know I still have a lot to learn I still have you know a long way to go um so I think my best advice for people um is to self-publish your own stuff that's what I'm doing currently right now is to just make a few books just myself uh try to be part of other indie uh comics uh get my work out small there because one I'm getting better and better the more I do it. And two, um, you know, you want, like, if you have like an idea that you firmly believe in, like uh, the, the character for me, um, that's an idea that I don't want to have it under a different company. I want to have the full rights to. So I'll go ahead and make my own books for that. That's great. So I see you've got some Spider-Man posters and a picture of Stanley up on your wall. Who would you say is the oh. comic creator that has inspired you the most? Steve Dicko and Todd McFarlane. Uh, not the work for uh, Spider-Man from Todd. It would be Spawn. Um, for Steve Dicko, it would be uh, Spidey. Um, their styles is very fluent. Um, Todd was very, you know, he he's very hyper-detailed with all the little line work that he does. And Steve was... Uh, like, like I said, he was very fluent with his uh, line work and uh, his foreshortening was amazing. Like I, I love, and it's also unusual for the stuff that he did for Dr. Strange. Like you can't even explain where that stuff came from. So yeah, it'd be Steve Dicko and Todd for me. Awesome. And what's the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> um, man getting harsh critiques from people i've had i've had people slam me hard for my artwork and that's the kind of stuff that i take really well i'd rather hear that than somebody telling me good job you know like oh this is pretty good you know keep going you're gonna be there you know um the best advice that i've gotten from people was the harsh critiques because it's gonna make or break people you know some people are just not meant for this uh, to make comics and that's just you know a solid truth oh well, other people you just gotta take what they say and look at your artwork and see how you can make it better you know 
Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been great chatting with you and hopefully all of the uh, people listening will head over to your Kickstarter. And if they're interested, they can help fund that. You've still got a few days to go for that. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. You can find Dwarf Star Comics on Facebook and Instagram, and the link for that Kickstarter is in the show notes. All right, next up is journalism. I spent today editing the last two chapters I wrote in my true crime book, tweaking a few things for clarity and correctness. I'll do a big edit at the end of my first draft, but on going back and reading those chapters, there were some issues that I needed to correct right away while the information was still fresh in my mind. The last thing I would ever want to do is give false information due to an error in sentence structure. For current events, the League of American Bicyclists awarded Provo, Utah, a silver-level bicycle-friendly community award. Bill Nesper, director of the League, told the Daily Herald, During one of the toughest years in recent memory, we have seen so many Americans turning to biking during the pandemic for fun and for necessary transportation options. It's so important that communities like Provo have laid the groundwork over several years to make biking a safe, accessible option for people when all need as much health and happiness as possible. This bicycle-friendly community award is the culmination of years of work put in by Provo and its citizen advocates for better biking. This award round, Provo joins 51 new and renewing bicycle-friendly communities in the movement toward healthier, more sustainable, and connected places. Provo and those 51 other communities now find themselves among the 486 communities honored by the League. In her speech when receiving the award, Provo Mayor Michelle Calfusi said, Provo prides itself on our many active transportation options, including protected bike lanes, multi-use paths, and sidewalks and trails. The trails in Provo are truly impressive, and you can get pretty much everywhere in the city by walking or riding a bike. I lived there for two and a half years without a car and only needed to get a ride somewhere within the city maybe 10 times the whole time I lived there. This is truly a well-deserved honor. Pink Cherry, an online adult novelty store, just released their ranking for Canada's 10 sexiest cities in 2020. Calgary came in first place and Edmonton, where I live, came in third. The rankings are based on number of products sold and revenue per capita. A city had to have at least 30,000 people to be considered. Starting at number 10, Canada's sexiest cities in 2020 were Victoria, British Columbia, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Brampton, Ontario, Hamilton, Ontario, London, Ontario, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Ottawa, Ontario, Edmonton, Alberta, Surrey, British Columbia, and Calgary, Alberta. Guess those folks in Ontario had to do something in lockdown. (laughs) Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. Like I mentioned earlier, I got a COVID test today. It was a rapid result test, so I already got the result back and it's negative, but I'm still legally required to self-isolate for 10 days because the rapid result tests aren't as accurate as regular lab tests and have a notoriously high false negative rate. They also did a second swab and they're sending that to the lab to be double sure. They're doing the rapid result tests so that if you get a positive result, you know right away what you're dealing with and they only send the second swab to the lab for processing if the rapid result test comes up negative. That being said, no adventures for me in the next week and a half. I did wear shoes to the testing site. It was dangerously cold today, and we got several inches of snow, and that's just not safe for being barefoot in those conditions. That's what shoes are made for, protecting your feet. Let's jump into the barefoot news. 
72 of the tennis players competing in the Australian Open, which starts February 8th, had to quarantine in their hotel rooms after eight people on their flights tested positive for COVID. Novak Djokovic, the current world number one, finished quarantine today. When NDTV Sports asked what he was going to do first, he said, a walk in the park. You know, just putting bare feet on the ground. Just doing something that I didn't have a chance to do. So just having space. I think that's what we all kind of missed. After being stuck in a hotel room 24 hours a day, not allowed to leave, that's probably the first thing I would want to do too. Sink my feet into some grass. Luckily, I'm able to leave my apartment to take out the trash and check the mail and stuff like that. So I can at least, you know, get a little bit of barefooting in if it warms up a bit and get some fresh air. That's all for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with another interview, this time with Twitch streamer Gothic Unicorn 13. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at sierrathebarefoot, on Facebook as sierrathebarefootgirl, on Twitter at sierrabarefoot, and on TikTok at sierraisbarefoot. All of my books are available on Amazon, and my comics are available on Instagram at worldofpossums and patreon.com slash possumpete. Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra. <laughs>